Okay, how are you all feeling today? If you're anything like me, you say, I'm fine. <laughs> I used to say that my uncle Alan Carmichael would come up and uh, speak to me. And uh, born again Christian, my uncle Alan, I was fortunate to be brought up in a family with Uncle Sandy, Uncle Alan, and other people. And he used to come up and say, how are you doing, son? And I'd say, I'm doing fine. And he'd say, come on, son. How are you really doing? Everyone says they're fine. And, you know, anytime he would ask me that question, I would realize I wasn't really fine. You know, there was things that were bothering me. There was spiritual things in my life that weren't right. There was fears. You know, we all get fearful, don't we? It's a fairly natural thing to be. We get fearful of things that are dangerous. You know, physically dangerous. It's, there's certain fears that are healthy for us. I'm not going to walk across a motorway. I'm not going to go to the M8 and take a wee leisurely stroll across there at nine o'clock in the morning because I have a healthy fear that possibly I'll get hit by a bus, right? And do you know, I'm, I'm using that wee illustration not to be flippant, but there are some healthy fears and we are told to have caution. But there's also some unhealthy fears that are not of God. And you know, this whole pandemic, doesn't it put a whole lot of fear into you? Doesn't it put a lot of fear? Now, there are some legitimate aspects of that fear, aren't there? Because some people are getting sick and people are dying and there are reasonable legitimate fears associated with there. But for some people, it gets to the extent where I don't want to get out of my house anymore. I don't know how to live again. I'm fearful just to face life again. Now, do you think that fears of God? Do you think that's a healthy fear? Well, probably not. And I'm also not using that illustration to judge anybody or to speak about anybody in a negative way. What I'm saying is God is a God of new beginnings. God is a God whose mercy is new every morning. God is a God who's got a good plan for our life and a good purpose. And he wants us to step out the front door. Amen. He wants us to do that. But be wise and have a healthy fear of things like walking across the M8 <laughs> and taking the precautions that we need to do during a pandemic. But, you know, I think there is a spiritual battle going on, like the, like the Bible tells us in Ephesians 6. We don't war against flesh and blood. We war against the spiritual things, don't we? So you've got to kind of look beneath the surface and say, where's this fear coming from? Is it coming from God or not? And, you know, God loves us. His, his default position to you and I, whether we love him or not, is that he loves us. Isn't that wonderful? So we've got a father who created us. Not just that he created us, but he created us out of his love. And he created us out of his purpose, Psalm 139. All, all the days of your life were written in his book before one of them came to be. Amen? So all the days of my life can be ordered by God. If, but there's, here, here's the thing. We need to let him lead us. Don't we? Because God's not a God who comes in and says, I'm going to force you to go out that door today and I'm going to force you to do this and do that and do this and do that. Now, I believe there's a mystery in this because we know God has plans for us, don't we? But we also know he wants us to cooperate with those plans. And when that happens, when we cooperate with God's plans for us, it's a beautiful thing, isn't it? It's a blessed thing. All my steps are ordained by the Lord. Lovely to say that, isn't it? So if you wake up every day and you say, Jesus, I'm just hoping that you look after me today. I hope Eleanor doesn't mind me saying this. This is a wee bit dangerous territory. She's my mother-in-law. I love her very much. But she prayed for no rain today. So it'd be a wee bit easier walking out the front door. And guess what happened? Guess what happened? No rain today. 
and it's drying up outside. And yet the forecast on my phone said it was a yellow warning for rain all the way through and probably into this morning, right? Yes. And it was rain overnight, but God answered Eleanor's prayer. Isn't that great? Yes. So we're seeing God feeling a wee bit anxious about something. I would like to pray about that for you. And God's such a good God, he comes and answers. And he helps us in our very time of need. So when our heart reaches to his, and when we connect with his plan, it's beautiful. And that's when the doors start to open. Just like when God's people went up to the Red Sea and what happened? <laughs> it parts and they go straight through and the enemy gets crushed behind them as they, walk, as they go through. Because it was God's people responding to God's plan in cooperation. Amen? So let's be wise about the things that are happening in our times. Let's be sensible. Keep our balance. Be, be careful about the things we need to be careful about. But let's not also be unhealthily fearful about things that stop us from living our lives with the Lord. Because at some point, we have to tell others about God, don't we? Part of the Christian, a huge, huge part of the Christian mission is loving God with all your heart and mind and loving your neighbor as yourself. And what is loving your neighbor? Loving your neighbor is telling them about the God that you love because he's the only one that can save them from their sins. So the best love I can show to my neighbor is telling them about Jesus, isn't it? And we could say, do you know God? And they'll say, no. And you say, well, I know him. Can I tell you about him? And you'd be surprised how open people might be right now in Middlesbrough today if you were to have that wee conversation. Sometimes you do need to build up trust, though, don't you? You have a wee conversation and you get to know somebody and then eventually you get a wee opportunity and you say, do you know God? Do you know Jesus? And the person says, no. So I'm encouraging you. This is a message today that is a straightforward gospel message hopefully <laughs> and i'm going to use a few scriptures to point us in a certain direction of what the gospel is all about and if you're a christian today i pray that this would encourage you in your faith and in all that jesus and all that god's plan is for you and also it would encourage you as a christian to tell others about him and if you're thinking how do i tell others hopefully this might help <laughs> a little bit and if you're not a Christian today, I really hope by God's grace that this just opens your eyes a wee bit to what it is that God's plan is for you, his plan of salvation. Okay, so let's pray. Father, I do pray that you would help us to listen to your voice. I pray that you would speak today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Very pleased today uh, to have a Bible in front of me that was Bill Russell's um, grander. Um, it's lovely that people's legacy as a Christian has an impact on future generations, isn't it? Your life as a Christian is an example to other people. And your testimony of the gospel, of your, if you know God, then all being well, your life shines the light of Jesus to other people around you. And Paul said to Timothy, your faith was first in your grandmother and then in your mother, and now it's in you. And I'm pleased to be able to testify about the fruit there from Bill's life. Amen. And that's what the gospel does, you know. When you know God, it becomes infectious, or it should do, because what you're doing is you're displaying the truth of Jesus. What kind of things happen when you're a Christian? Well, you go through trouble. Who goes through trouble? Did it get worse when you became a Christian, or did it get better? You can speak out. 
Did it feel like it got worse? Did you feel like the persecution got worse? No. No, that's fine. And sometimes it doesn't. But I know there's many testimonies in the room, for example, where they came from a family that wasn't Christian. And the minute they said yes to Jesus, the family disowned them. That's harder, that's harder than it was before. So trusting Jesus can create problems. Sometimes it doesn't. You know, sometimes you're in a family and all the family becomes Christians at the same time. And sometimes the family is really favorable, but sometimes you turning to a Christian, your family will disown you. That's so, isn't it? And what do you do at that point? Step one as a Christian is you go, man, I thought this was going to be easier than this. I thought having my sins forgiven and God in my life was going to be easy. And all of a sudden I'm experiencing persecution. People are letting me down. I've got difficulties in my family because of my faith. But can I tell you, if you know God and you know Christ, you can take this Old Testament Psalm statement from, we're going to turn to Psalm 46 as, as a promise to you as a Christian. God is our refuge and strength. So you say to myself, well, I've now experienced problems that may be in your family. It may be you're experiencing persecution because you're a Christian in the workplace. It may be just you're generally just finding that being a Christian is hard. Whatever is happening, God is persistent in saying that he's your refuge and strength. If we go to this psalm and just read it through, just put it all through. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. So remember what I was saying about fear? That sometimes there are certain fears that are legitimate, including something I've not mentioned yet, which is a fear of God. Because the only really legitimate spiritual fear we should have is not reverencing God. And by fear of God, what I mean is he's holy, he's perfect, and I'm not. Therefore, I don't want to stand before him as a sinful person, don't I not? I can't stand before a holy God with all of my sin. Because I can't be in his presence. And the minute you realize that, you've got a healthy fear of God and you know you need a saviour. But if you fast forward from these scriptures into the New Testament, which I will get to, Jesus Christ is the revelation of God for the salvation of, the, of our sins, paying the price for our sins by his shed blood, the Lamb of blood, God, sacrificed for us on the cross at Calvary to replace the Old Testament systems of sacrifice, which were a shadow of Jesus to come, the perfect once and for all sacrifice. That makes sense? And don't worry if sometimes you don't understand all the depth of that. God will help you in your understanding. So especially, I want to speak into folks online. Hopefully God will speak into your life today. You might say, well, I'm a Christian, but my life is absolutely chaotic right now. I look everywhere in my life and things are not good. Right? You ever felt like that? I have. Right? And the pandemic and things can emphasize that. It can magnify, I think, some of the feelings that we have because as well as the own problems we've got, it, it brings, kind of magnifies some of the things that we have. So I really believe that these kind of words are a word in season. So if you're feeling like that today, come to your God who loves you with a healthy reverential fear and he'll be your refuge and strength and an ever-present help in trouble. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. But the only, the only way you receive help is if you come to him and ask for it. 
This is a God who doesn't force, like I said earlier, he's not forcing us to enter into his refuge and strength. He says an ever-present help in trouble, but he wants us to engage. So therefore my heart's got to say, I'm not going to fear, I'm going to trust in this God. I'm going to react to him in faith. And though everything round about you, this is figurative language, but you just think about the chaotic situations in your life. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and form and the mountains quake with their surging, there is a river. That reminds me of that hymn. There is a river that flows from deep within. There is a fountain that cleanses the heart from sin. Amen. And the river has multiple meanings in the Bible. River of life the Holy Spirit's river, the well within us that God, when he gives his spirit, wells and flows over, river of cleansing, baptism. Amen. There's lots of different things you could say. The river of joy, God's provision, God's supply. There's this idea of this river flowing through the city of God or flowing through our lives, providing life. Amen. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God. So if you're in a troubled place, in God, there's a place of peace, isn't there? There's a place of provision. There's a place where you can be glad, not happy about your circumstances, but glad in the Lord, rejoicing in the Lord. It's a different thing, isn't it? The holy place where the most high dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. And we know that in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon people at certain times and places as per God's purpose. But that was a shadow of things to come. When Jesus left, he said, I will give you. We will send the Holy Spirit to you. And he will be in you. So God is three. Triune God. One God. God the Father. God the Spirit. God the Son. Amen. And what a wonderful gift to believers when you trust in Jesus, that you have the well of God's presence within you. Who knows what that feels like if you're online or in the hall. I rejoice today. I would not be standing here today if this had not happened in my life. If I couldn't tell you right now, I know I'm saved by God's grace and God's spirit's within me, I would have nothing to say. Do you understand what I'm saying? I would have nothing to say. I'd have nothing to testify to because it wouldn't be real. But it's real, isn't it? And if you're not feeling the wells within you, could I encourage you to come back to the cross again today? And come back in confession, even if you've done it before, and ask the Lord to fill you up with his Holy Spirit afresh today. And to have the gladness come back and have the joy come back. God's so good, isn't he? What a wonderful God we have. So we live in, we can live in an uproar, can't we? Verse 6, nations are in uproar. Right, what's your assessment of the nations today, 2021 globally? Does anyone agree with me? that the nations are in uproar. Amen. They're in uproar. Kingdoms fall. Is that happening today? Yes. Sometimes wrong kingdoms are falling and being replaced by bad kingdoms. The kingdoms are falling. But the Lord acts. He lifts his voice and the earth melts. You know, when God speaks, God is ultimately sovereign. This is a mystery, isn't it? God is ministering through his son into a sinful world but there's one day where he's going to wrap this whole thing up okay all sin is done away with christ returns in glory 
and there's a new heaven and a new earth, and there'll be no more sin, no more death, no more evil. It'll be gone. But in the meantime, we're in this wee waiting period, and the only reason we're waiting for the Son of God is because God cares about lost sinners, and he wants the church to tell them about them so that we can gather up the saved in heaven, so that we'll, as my, as, as Granda Bill Russell would say, so that we'll all be there. And there's a certain number of people that will all be there, and they're not gathered in yet, aren't they not? Otherwise, Jesus would be back, as it speaks about in Revelation. But for the moment, there's a bit of chaos, but not uncontrolled chaos, because God's on the throne. Do we believe that? God is sovereign. That means he's in control. Nothing happens without him allowing it to happen. It's not that he's pleased with things happening. It's that he is ultimately, he has a plan of salvation that he's working through it. <laughs> the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. My heart jumps with joy when I read that verse. <laughs> Is how we need battles to cease and how God has in times past, even now, even in our own lives, even in our families, has God made some wars cease? Has he? Yes. God does have lines that he draws in certain circumstances when his people are moving in faith. He breaks the bow and he shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, and listen to this, this is the verse on the wall next door in the flooded church. <laughs> Be still and know that I am God. The last thing you feel like doing when things are in an uproar around you is to be still. If you're in like me. Yeah. <laughs> the last thing you want to do when everything's in an uproar is be still. What you want to do is panic. What you want to do is run for the hills. What you want to do is shout and scream. And what you do, what you do is complain. All legitimate reactions, but you can't stay there. You could be righteously angry about a decision the government has just made today, next week, another one. But if I stay righteously in an uproar about that and can't move into a position of faith and say, God, you're still going to move in this land and I'm going to trust that you're going to move in this nation despite what's going on, then we get out of balance, don't we? So the nations are in uproar, but God's people have to be steadfast. God's people have not to be in an uproar. God's people have to find a place of stillness and faith to know that he is God. So to, to, could I just encourage us all just to sometimes just quieten down our hearts and our minds and sometimes just let some of that stuff go, some of that stuff we can't change. We can pray about, we should pray about it. We should pray that God works in our nation and God works in our community and works things for good. That's biblical prayer. But don't allow ourselves to be in an anxious uproar by everything going around, or we'll just spin around in circles. Make sense? Um, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted amongst the nations. Hallelujah. So regardless of what's happening in certain nations right now and what people think they're in control, God says, promise, I will be exalted in the nations. I'm working out my purposes. Might not be through the government, but it's through my people. These are promises we just need to really trust on, I believe. And it encourages us, doesn't it? It says, well, ultimately God's in control. Ultimately, he will be lifted high. Ultimately, his gospel is going forward. Ultimately, every nation on the earth will hear about Jesus. It's encouraging, isn't it? So don't be discouraged by the BBC News, okay? 
be, don't be discouraged by the BBC news, be encouraged by the good news. And I think this is one of the tactics of the enemy in this time, is to get us to focus on the negative news and shut down from the good news. Deuteronomy 33 verse 27 says, the eternal God is your refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms. So sometimes you're in a chaotic situation or I'm in one and we just can't, we don't, we don't have a clue what to do. God's saying, that's okay. Just you collapse into, just you collapse into my arms. Amen. That, that's okay. You don't know what to say. You don't know what to do. Be still and collapse and I'll catch you. Wonderful, isn't it? Even when you feel like you're falling and you can't cope underneath are the everlasting arms to catch you. But you're saying maybe today, well, how do I get to know this God better that has all this wonderful provision for us, a refuge or strength, our ever-present help in times of trouble? Well, Christ is victorious over sin and death. And the Bible has, of course, the New and the Old Testament and in the New Testament, God sent his son, Jesus. And I know I'm speaking to people who probably know this, but some of you might not really know this. Or maybe folks that are going to watch this online don't know this. I'm, I'm going to say it. God sent his son into the world to be the savior, to pay the price for your sin and mine. Because we need a savior to write us, put us in a right relationship with this holy God once and for all time. This Colossians 2, you don't need to understand all of the depths of it, of course, but I've highlighted some words. The first couple of paragraphs, if we move on here, Christ is victorious over sin and death. Colossians 2, if you've got your Bibles, you can turn, if not, it's on there. The first couple of paragraphs, I'm just going to read through, and I want you to notice all the references to Jesus, the Son, and in him, and through him, and things like that. And then applying it to us in our response from verse 21 onwards, there's references to you. And I want you to think about yourself and me as we go through this. For the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers and or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Isn't that encouraging? C created, everything created. And Christ there at the beginning, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Thrones, powers, rulers and authorities, all things created through him and for him. Gives us an encouragement, doesn't it, when we face that against nations being in uproar, doesn't it? That ultimately, who's the king of kings? Who's the ultimate authority? Christ. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there wouldn't be any remission or forgiveness for our sins. And there's this imagery of a lamb in the Old Testament being given as a sacrifice for the sins of the people, a repeated exercise, but Jesus being the Lamb of God, the perfect once and for all sacrifice sent to earth to redeem us, to pay the price for our sins. Isn't that wonderful? The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God 
is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel of the good news that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. So there's a lot in there. I would encourage you, if you're listening to this online, we will put these out. You could listen to it again. You could look the scriptures up in your own time and just ask God to help you understand. Please do read the scriptures in your own time. Ask God to speak to you, not just when you're hearing us going through it on a message on a Sunday. And God will be faithful. He will help you understand what you're saying. And again, just thinking about the, the work, finished work of Jesus on the cross at Calvary and what it means for us. So Colossians 2 verse 9, for in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. There it is again. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through your faith and the working of God who raised him from the dead. And here's a part I want you to think about. If you're a Christian today, this is the transaction that happened for you. If you're not a Christian, this is the transaction that can happen for you today. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Amen having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, there it is again, spiritual, worldly, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Our God has won a, a wonderful victory for us over sin and death. The statement I had there was, Christ is victorious, over sin and death. What does sin cause? It causes death. It causes a trip to hell. But salvation in Jesus' name brings forgiveness and cleanness and holiness in our life that makes us right with God and sends us to heaven. Wow. Amazing. And, you know, we need to be reminded of that as believers and be encouraged. Paul wrote that to believers, you know. What we're reading today wasn't a gospel message necessarily to outsider. It was to Christians to encourage them in their faith. In the meetings we used to have, we used to have a gospel meeting. <laughs> and we had a whatever other meeting, a teaching meeting. But I think every meeting needs to be somewhat of a gospel meeting. Because ultimately we encourage and build ourselves up in the faith while we evangelize our community. And we tell those that don't know about Jesus. Amen. Wonderful. Wonderful God we have. What an amazing good news. Christ paid the price for our sin, your sin and mine on the cross. And here's an important question to ask yourself. You're either in two positions today. You're saying, this is all great to hear, but you might be saying, have I received this already? So is God saying that I automatically, because of the work he's done, I receive all of this stuff? Or is there, is there another step 
I need to take? Well, there is, a, there is another step according to the scriptures we need to take because the scripture teaches us that forgiveness is available to all or available to us, but it's not received automatically. Amen. I'm going to put it into three buckets that are a common thing used throughout the world in gospel messages. Admit. We need to admit that we're a sinner. We need to admit that we've done wrong things, whether it's we've said a, a few lies, whether we've betrayed a few people, or whether we've murdered somebody. It's all sin. And it all separates us from a holy God. And the Bible teaches that all have sinned. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we are all justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. So first of all, you can't respond to this until you admit you've sinned. Step one. Step two, believe. We also need to believe in Jesus, according to the scriptures, as our personal saviour and recognise that he paid the price for our sins. If we go to the familiar, hopefully familiar John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's a good verse, isn't it? Nice and clear and easy for even a child to understand. But there is a response, isn't there? You hear about Jesus, and whoever believes in him shall not perish. Admit and believe, and then confess. We need to confess our sins to God as part of that action of response, asking God to forgive us. 1 John 1, 8 to 9 says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Can I suggest that the world today is this, we, if we don't know Jesus, we are actually deceived. We just, we either haven't heard about him, or if we've heard about him, we're ignoring him. And we're ignoring our sin. We don't want to hear it. Somebody's told us, we've heard a Christian tell us we're a sinner and we've just run a mile. <laughs> I'm not listening to that. Christian stuff, right? But if we admit we're a sinner, believe in Jesus, and then confess, we can take on board 1 John 1, 8 and 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins. Notice that if, if we confess our sins, he is faithful. So he's promised to respond in forgiveness to true confession, but he's waiting for us to do it. And purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. So hopefully this encourages you today that who, whosoever will may come. I think that's an old hymn, <laughs> or it could be a scripture. Um, but I'm going to move on to a wee example of how this can happen in a moment of time. It doesn't take long for somebody to cycle through the, that ABC I just mentioned there, admit, believe, and confess, all right? And just a wee example of the crucifixion of Jesus in Luke 23, verse 32, Two other men, both two men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. So you just picture this here, Jesus, two criminals, one on either side. Jesus said, generally, to all of us, right? So there were people there at the time, okay, but Jesus looked is God and can see through time and when he died on that cross he didn't just pay the price or open the way to God for the people that were there okay for the whole world for those to come he said this father forgive them 
for they know not what they're doing. <coughs> and that's God's heart to us. He want, he's opened his heart and he's, he said, a blanket, I want to forgive you. Hasn't he? That's what he said. He's opened his heart. Before his father, he said, Father, I want you to forgive him. The people stood watching this and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others, let him save himself. If he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. Terrible reaction, isn't it? It just shows how deep our sin goes. And see, when we see all this rubbish going on, all this, frankly, evil and sinful behavior, that's what it looks like. That, that's, this, this is what you see in 2021 when evil things happen. That the very God of heaven saying, Father, forgive them, show all the love, and he never did a thing wrong. They're mocking him. It's rubbish, isn't it? It's just really poor. But that's what sin does to people. Sin makes you spit hatred, doesn't it? Sin just makes you demolish everything. It's wrong. But how good is our God that he took that straight on, face on, because he loved us first. And he loved the people even that were mocking him and hurling insults. Like, what, a, what, what a wonderful God. Wouldn't it make you greet, as my grand, grand Greta would say, it'd make you greet if you actually understood the depths of what the Lord did for us. Amongst mocking, insults, punishment, cruelest death ever on the cross. Father, forgive them. There was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the, one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. So one of them gets it wrong. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God? There's that healthy fear. If this is the God, if this is the Messiah, then I better get myself right with him that's a healthy fear isn't it don't you fear god he said since you are under the same sentence that's an admission of guilt isn't it it is we are punished justly for we're getting what our deeds deserve so that man's looked at jesus he's maybe heard what's been going on no doubt the stories about him he's gone this man's done nothing wrong and plus i think he's the messiah But we're getting what we deserve. I admit I'm a sinner. I know I'm wrong. What are you doing shouting at him? <clears throat> then he turns to Jesus in faith to believe alongside his confession. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. So he had a certain amount of understanding. Not a huge amount. But that just shows how gracious our God is, isn't it? No time for a 10-point Bible study over 10 weeks on an Alpha course. Or a Christianity explored. And I'm not being silly saying that. I'm being serious. No chance for an education in the scriptures. Whether he had or not, we don't know. But this is how great and gracious our God is. That if somebody's heart turns toward him, admit him a sinner, believe, confess. Then he said, and Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you'll be with me. In paradise. Lovely, isn't it? I just think we need to let that go down really, really deep. Both to encourage us if we already know Jesus and we're feeling guilty about things and we're feeling down and we're feeling overwhelmed. Let's just get back to the cross and remember how much the Lord has done for us. How much a price he's paid for us. And get back to the simplicity of when you first believed. Isn't the simplicity when you first believed a beautiful thing? <laughs> You just don't doubt anything, don't you know? See, when you first believe, I'm going to heaven. 
and my sins forgiven, and then you hit some trouble. You need to go back to that place of refuge at the cross. Thank you, Lord, for my salvation. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. And if you haven't received Jesus, do what this man did. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. I'm just going to be finishing now. Hopefully this is encouraging to you. I hope so, because I'm genuinely feeling we need to be more encouraged than ever about the good news of Jesus Christ. The church always has to be really enthusiastic about the gospel, but how much more when in a time of so-called crisis, but it is a time of crisis when folks just don't sometimes want to get out their door and face life these days. Ephesians 2.8, this is all a work of grace, and you see that on the cross, unmerited favour, don't you? That man didn't have time. That man didn't have time to get off that cross and live a good life. He didn't have time to go off that cross and earn his salvation. I'm going to make up to you. I'll do probation for six months, Lord. I'll do my best. I think it's really important as Christians just to remember that because sometimes we can get into a wee bit legalistic Christianity where we feel as if we're back to working and earning our salvation. Maybe that's you. Maybe that's me sometimes. And you have to lay that down and say, well, I wasn't saved through my works. I'm not going to be kept through my works. God wants it the other way around. What he wants to happen is, I believe he wants us to have a relationship with him, not a, not a schoolmaster relationship. So you work for your boss, tells you to work. If you don't work, you'll not get paid. <laughs> right? God wants you to work for him because you love him. Amen? Not out of not out of some kind of threat or pulling something away. The salvation is given to you. He paid it and it was given to you for free. But he wants that love to come. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. So usually when we're struggling a wee bit, it's a wee check on our love for the Lord and his love for us and just getting back to the basics of that. So I'm finished. Hopefully. If we're clicked back onto that, it's not clicking. If you just click onto that. I ran out of batteries. Who knows? <laughs> Next slide, if you can. It's not working. Okay, cool. So just a wee um, recap on that. We looked at Psalm 46 about how we know God and respond to God. God is our refuge and strength. Secondly, we looked at Colossians 2. And we saw that Christ is victorious over sin and death. And thirdly, we looked at Luke 23 to see the illustration of forgiveness being available to all of us. And bear in mind you have an enemy. It says there in John 10, 10, the thief, Satan, comes only to steal, to kill and destroy. So when I speak this word to you today, if you're having conflicting thoughts, maybe that's not God. Maybe it's the enemy trying to take God's word and remove it. Can I just encourage you to step out in faith, even if you have somewhat doubts or you're confused a little bit? And one way to do it, I'm going to put this up more for the even if you watch it back online, if you want a copy, I could send it to you. This is pulled from another place online. I've heard many preachers talk about know your ABCs. Who's heard of some, a preacher say that? <laughs> okay. Sometimes you just need simple instructions. You know, somebody says to you, well, how do you become a Christian? Well, this is just a wee guide. And if you watch the back or if you want a copy, I can give you. I'm not going to attempt to read it all out, but this is just a few verses that would back up the fact that a relationship with Christ begins with your admission that you need him. You must admit you need God. And there's some verses there for that. And then hopefully, secondly, we've got believe. 
and some verses there that I've already mentioned. And thirdly, confess. Confessing Jesus means committing total control of your life to Christ. You give him ownership of your life. He becomes your new boss. <laughs> and if you confess him as Lord of your life, the Bible says you'll be saved. Amen. Okay, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word to us today. We thank you that it is your word. It's powerful. It's mighty. It's perfect. Father, I know that I'm speaking frailty here because I'm, I'm just speaking with the help that you would give me, we would hope today. But Father, I pray that you will speak through the power of your word into all of our lives today. And whatever the application is, Father, we thank you that we never really move away from the truth of the gospel as a Christian. If we do know you, just speak into my life, speak into all of our lives and help us to be built up and encouraged in you today. And we pray, Father, if there is anybody in the sound of my voice today who doesn't know Jesus, that today might be the day they just have a wee look back at this and a wee think about their ABC, admit, believe, and confess. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.